Fort Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. Welcome to Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. My name is Herb White. I'm editor-in-chief at the Charlotte Post. And today is the start of soccer season, at least here. So <laughs> what we're going to do with today's podcast is we're going grassroots. We're talking to a couple of uh, brothers who are supporters. That, and I'm learning how to separate the traditional American way of talking about sports as opposed to the, the European model for soccer. And uh, with us today are Sean Smith and uh, Jonathan Lee. Uh, they are members of the Queen's Firm. Um, Sean is the co-founder and co-president, correct? Right, correct, yeah. And Jonathan is a member who handles social media and that type of thing. Uh, welcome to the podcast, gents, and let's dive right on in. We're only a few days away from the start of training for Charlotte FC, and I would imagine that uh, for supporters groups, especially in a city that is new to Major League Soccer, like Charlotte, uh, these are pretty heady times. So, can, A, kind of walk me through what a supporters group is as opposed to just fans showing up at a football or basketball or baseball game. What's the difference between putting together a supporters group and just showing up for a game? All right. Um, the supporter group, they are the most passionate fans. And if um, the basically the east end of the stadium, Bank of America Stadium, that's where the supporters groups are going to be at. If you watch like European soccer or MLS, I would say uh, if you've ever watched like Austin FC and LAFC, they're kind of the more passionate fans in, 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 in MLS soccer. Uh, Portland's good too. I mean, they really get behind the team. They're really pretty much from the start of the game or even before the start of the game, you know, before the game even starts, you know, they're, they're singing, they're, they're tailgating, they're having a good time. And it's, it's where different fans from different groups kind of get together and kind of get behind the team. And so that Queens Farm is like one of the uh, supporters groups for Charlotte FC, I believe there's maybe seven or eight total right now. There might be even nine or ten, but somewhere between seven and ten groups that are kind of registered to or they're of uh, their supporter groups. And basically, everybody's doing everybody. There are different groups because some groups are based on geography, like specifically South Charlotte or West Charlotte, or uh, there's one group that concentrates on. Um, I think like South Adam Crown, they're kind of more South Carolina fans. But uh, for Queens Farm, we're just all over. Like I said, I'm in Southwest Charlotte. Um, Dave, the, the other co-founder, he's in Jerry, Cherryville. Um, uh, Jonathan, he's in Mid-Hill. So we're, we're all over the place. So each group is set up differently. And so now I would imagine that, you know, because the way soccer culture plays out is that culture within a supporters group is unique as well, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like I said, right now, you know, with the, with your, the season getting getting uh, ramped up, uh, like, for example, last Saturday, they had a kind of chant cheer session at NODA Brewing, 
And that's where a lot of supporter groups came together to start working on cheers and chants. And uh, who, Jonathan, who was the new group that showed up? Uh, Blue, Blue Furia. Blue Furia, a totally a new group showed up. And uh, I was in Raleigh at the time. I was, I was doing something else, but I was kind of checking in on social media, seeing what was going on. And Blue Furia, it's like, kind of like a Spanish-focused uh, group. And from what I saw, they brought the energy and the noise big time to it. I mean, you were there, you saw them. I saw a couple of couple your photos online. They were, they were, they were, they were, they were lit. So <laughs> they were, they were. Let me ask you a question, Herb. When you, when you go to a, a baseball game or a football game, the, when you see the crowd, the crowd is being prompted by a defense chant or a, you know, some sort of thing that is computer generated by the scoreboards. In soccer, uh, the, the supporters are the ones who generate the energy, and hopefully the energy is going to spill throughout the stadium. Okay. So it's our goal. Like Sean said, we do things like we have chant practices, where we have one now every single week leading up to the season, and that's just a chance for us to uh, organically, everybody brings a different song idea to the table, we all agree on what kind of songs we want to sing, and then we practice. So it's not just you know it, it there there's there's a, a, a there is an organic nature to it, but it's also very organized and not organized in the way that it's you know on the scoreboard defense. Everything is coming from the supporters who have been practicing for you know a, a month or a month and a half before the season even starts. Okay, so then if I am a sports traditionalist in terms of of Americans. You know, this sounds an awful lot like if we use history as a guide. Way back in the day at the, at the dawn of football, when there were literal cheerleaders, folks who were, you know, telling their team, hold that line or block that kick. It's an organic wellspring of support. It, it, am I close here? A little bit, but it, it, it is organic in the way that we, we do it. Uh, as uh, the starting point, but once we get into that stadium on March 5th, it's organized. We know it's organized based on what we've done in the past month and a half of work leading into, you know, the first opening game. So everything you're going to see on March 5th in the stands will be something that we've all been working on for the last, you know, month and a half. Very Whether it's a chant, whether it's uh, the cadence of a drum, Everything is worked on and everything is um, pre, uh, uh, pre-organized to well, – now we're working on chance for specific players and specific goals. So everything is going to be uh, or, uh, organic in, in the sense of that we're, we're starting it, but once we get there, it's going to be – you know, it, it'll be a organized kind of atmosphere. Will you coordinate with other supporters groups or right. everybody Correct. on your okay. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, every every so we our meetings are staffed by one or two, um, either a president or a vice president or somebody on the on the higher up of each supporter group. So say there are nine right now, you're gonna have you know two or three from each supporter group, so then they can go back to their group and kind of explain what we've been working on and, you know, kind of, um, and go back and, and, and tell the group that, 
this is what we're working on. This is how we want to do this. And so eventually on that first day, everybody knows what's going on. Okay. A good, a good um, I guess a good example to see is if you go online and look at uh, like go on YouTube and see Austin FC, like they, they're starting their second year this year. Last year was their first year. And you see their supporters, they were kind of, you know, they're, going, they're, they're actual videos, which I think that's what we're going to do eventually, where there will be videos of uh, chants and like, okay, they got like a, uh, like the capitals, the capitals need to cheer. Those are the ones that you see on the stands and they're kind of like, for example, with Austin, they do hand signals. So I don't know how Charlotte is going to do it. They might do, okay, chant number one, they might do something like this, chant number one, okay, or chant, there'll be some type of communication to say, hey, okay, we're doing chant number two, chant number three, or whatever, and basically, you know, you'll have the chance. So there's, like I say, it's work in progress, that's what we're, that's why they're having, like, I guess the chant cheer sessions right now is to work out those things, and uh, trying to figure out who's going to be capitals, and so forth, and so that's kind of, like I said, it's a work in progress, um, you know, like I said, that's why they're having the, the practices weekly now because they're trying to get everything ramped up and ready to go. So on March 5th, it'll, things will just click like, okay, we've had the team for a year versus, okay, no, this is our first home game. You know, this is the first time we're doing it for the entire, you know, you know, fans pretty much. So now the thing that, that I was intrigued by is the word capital. And so, you know, in looking at videos to, in during the research for this podcast, I've found out, you know, the capital is sort of like the hype man or the hype woman. Absolutely. Yeah. You, can't be, you can't be meek and quiet. You got to be, you got to have that energy for literally 90 minutes to say, you know, hey, let's, you know, everybody stand up cheering, you know, because you just got that energy, you know, to, to be able to chant and cheer and kind of direct for, for an entire game. Mm-hmm. So who's your hype person? I, I volunteered. <laughs> so I'm, I'm an extrovert, so I'm 100% for it. Uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, if, if that comes to pass, but I definitely am up for the challenge. Mm-hmm. So are there, you talked about the entry to the stadium and we know that, you know, that's all part of the pageantry that goes along with sports and soccer in particular. Uh, do you already have that part of it organized? Will it be drums and horns or whatever i mean you know i'm I'm guessing here that you've got some things that are already planned out for opening day and maybe even for charleston when when they have their friendlies down there Uh, fill me in okay uh basically through the support the council the supporters council meetings that they've been having for the last several months uh, I believe that they're going to march at the, the you know, you know where the WFZ doghouse is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to march in from across the street from there and then walk to the walk okay. to the east gate. And I believe that's now it could change, but I think that's that's the that's the that was the plan that was being kind of thrown around. And then they'll go in through you know, you see the new east entrance at the stadium where they got they got it. They, re- they renovated it, and so basically people can just go right in, and all this work can just go. It, it'll make it easier for the supporters to just walk in and go in, in through the East Gate and do it that way. So talk a little bit about the, the relationship between supporter groups and Charlotte FC. I would imagine that you, know, you can't just 
jump on the bandwagon all of a sudden and there's 19 different supporters groups that can get access to uh, to games and all the other stuff. Uh, what is that process like? Do you have to get approval from the team or what does that so, mean? So Charlotte FC hired someone. His name is Sean McIntosh. He is what's called the chief fan officer. Mm-hmm. This is a... A, a position that's only in the MLS, only with Charlotte FC. It's a direct line from us, the supporters, and the rest of the fans, and the team, and and the ownership. So, what Sean is our is our bridge into the organization. So, um, when we have requests for, uh, right now we're organizing. You know where we where we're we going to. You know, during a match, you have drums, you have flags. Well, where's that stuff going to be stored when there's not a match? And that's the kind of stuff that Sean's working on now. He's working on the behind-the-scenes logistics of, you know, everything that we need as a supporter group to be able to pull off a successful match, whether it's the first match, whether it's a 17th match or whichever one. He's going to be the bridge and he's doing a great job. He's done a great job of reaching out to all of us, all of the, uh, the leadership, you know, supporter groups. And then obviously they filter it back to their, their supporter groups. But um, he's doing a great job of relaying how many tickets we have for the opening game on the road. How many tickets that we have in Charleston? It, it, like I said, it doesn't just happen. There, there's organization. And Sean McIntosh, the chief fan officer, is the one that makes it happen. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of communication going back and forth with this. Uh, right. In, in yeah. terms of uh, this being an expansion team, and there's a lot of unknowns. Even you know you and you can plan for all you want, and you never going to get the smoothest ride possible out there. And I've you know not to date myself, but I've been around long enough to see every major league franchise in Charlotte start from the ground up. So what is it about this startup that will uh, that, that has you so excited and, you know, like the, the folks with the Queens firm so excited? Is it because there is so much newness there or is it because uh, the members of the supporters group are new and they haven't necessarily seen this before or, or what? Well, for me, let me, let me take this and I'll let you take it, Sean. For me, it's just, it's being able to be on the bottom floor of something that's going to be here for ever. I mean, it, I mean, this is the beginning. Say forever in, in professional sports, because, you know. Yeah, that's, that's very true. That's very, very true. But it, it's very, you know, I come from, I'm from Boston. So, you know, everything that's, everything in Boston, all the franchises there are, from the 30s, from the 20s. So none of us know where to This is an opportunity for me to kind of be on the ground floor from the beginning and see where we can take this from the, the beginning and where we can take it. Can we make it like the New York Yankees? Can we make it like the Dallas Cowboys? Or like, you know, uh, the Boston the, 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 this, uh, how about the Seattle Sounders, which is a, a great MLS franchise with a great yeah. fan base. To me, the Seattle Sounders are what you should want to be for a, not only for a on-field product, 
but also from a fan perspective. Because when I, I went to a match in 2013, when they broke at that time, they broke the attendance record versus Portland. And at, they, they also played in a football stadium, in the Seahawks stadium. And uh, the atmosphere was incredible. And just to be able to even come close here in the beginning to matching what they did in 2013 and to see it, you know, wherever it goes from here, it's really cool to be a part of. Okay. How about you, Sean? Um, I was in high school back in the 80s when Charlotte started the whole trying to get the Hornets and the process, you know, George Shin. Oh, Charlotte is an ACC city. It's not going to get a team. You're not going to fill a 23,000 seat Coliseum. But guess what? We got a Coliseum. We got the team. We were, what, leading the tennis for eight or nine years. Mm -hmm. I remember that first year as a college student at UNC Charlotte with little money. <laughs> Scrunching up my nickels and dimes together. I bought uh, tickets to two games. I was like, I was, it was that excitement. Me, like, Charlotte was a pro city. Mm -hmm. And then I was in UNC Charlotte when um, the uh, Richardson family started the process of getting the, um, the Panthers. I remember the Richardsons. I remember Mark and um, the other side. I can't remember his name. They came to campus and had a little, uh, we got a little, I guess, little meetings. And I couldn't go because the tickets sold out. As soon as the tickets became available, they sold out. But, you know, I guess they were just talking about generally about what they were trying to do and get an ownership group together. And, you know, I remember the whole buzz about where they're going to build a stadium at, you know, build it downtown. No, build it at Cameron's. No, build it at Speedway. No, build it out at um, uh, Kings Mountain. And, you know, I remember when the decision was made to build it at where it's at now. And again, just the whole that uh, was the was it the what was it the uh, two preseason games in um, what was it Columbia and Chapel Hill? Columbia yeah, I mean, was building that anticipation of, and then September was it ninety three? We got the team. So this is like like Jonathan was describing. You're getting in on the ground floor of something new. You know, you look at all the other you know soccer leagues in the world. You got teams that have been around for a hundred years, hundred twenty five years, and you know, the concept of a, an expansion team is foreign to most world because guess what? They've had soccer forever. I mean, here it's literally, it's still, it's an infant almost, I guess you can say it, because it's still kind of, you look at MLS from the early 90s when it started versus now it's totally different. You mm -hmm. know, I have just enough memories of the old, what was it, the major indoor soccer league? I grew up in Connecticut, so I remember watching the um, uh, what was it, the Cosmos. Cosmos. The, the Pele, Pele. I, I saw that, you know, they had the Pele's career, and, you know, yeah, it wasn't the Pele from when he was really young, good but, but, but <laughs> he was still, you know, he was still, you kind of see small flashes and whatnot. And so, like I said, it's just kind of, you see this excitement, especially with us signing players, got the coach, the expansion draft, and like I said, languages I've never heard of before. <laughs> you know, it's like, but you recognize blah, 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 Charlotte FC. And because it's Charlotte is becoming known bigger now on a international stage. I mean, I can only imagine what it's going to be like on um, March 5th here. Because, you know, it's not going to just be local press. It's going to be national press. It's going to be international press. I mean, people, are gonna, people a lot of people are going to find out Charlotte for the first time on an international stage that you've never really seen before. Mm -hmm. Now, you bring up some interesting points about being on the ground floor. And I want to come back to soccer culture and representation. And when I see you and Jonathan, you know, I see two black men involved in this supporters group. Right. And soccer as a sport has its share of issues when it comes to 
culture and acceptance. Uh, talk a little bit ab about that and how, or if you're thinking about that particular aspect of it as well, because you know, let's face it, there you know there are plenty of instances in in our communities where black folks say, "Well, you know what, <laughs> soccer that is not my cup of tea. Don't know anything about it. Wouldn't be interested in playing it. Wouldn't be interested in watching it." But I'm just you know in doing the research again for our get together today, you know, I came across some uh, some information from from Guild Edge Soccer Marketing, a group out in Chicago. And they dropped some really interesting statistics on black soccer fans in America. You know, and I'm like, who would have thought that was such a thing? <laughs> but, you know, like the average black soccer fan in this country is 29 years old, 28% of them are college graduates. Another 27% of them have at least been to college, 55% of white soccer fans and 49% of Hispanics, according to this group's research, had no interest in soccer. On the other hand, only 38% of blacks had no interest in soccer. And 14% of black fans said they're very interested in soccer as opposed to 7% of whites. Now that blew me away because you always hear the narrative that soccer is all about Hispanics, and whites, and not necessarily about black folks. Uh, and if, is, is that something where you can see an opportunity to maybe shift that narrative in terms of culture? Absolutely. I mean, I grew up in the metro Boston area. I grew up playing soccer. Uh, you know, I played youth soccer back in the day. Um, I think I was probably maybe maybe one or two of the guys were 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 of um, were black on the team. Mostly it was a bunch of white suburban kids, which, you know, that's, that's how it is here. Um, it, it is an opportunity to, um, to, to not sell the game, but show the game to people who in this, and like you say, who might not have, might, might not be interested. Like you say, if you, in that research, you said that 29%, uh, uh, sorry, the average is 27. So basically uh, 29 Basically, you're talking about from the World Cup in 1996 is basically what you're talking about. If you grow up watching the Women's World Cup in 1996, which totally turned around soccer in this country, then you are and, and, and became what it is today. Uh, you are you're basically uh, soccer is basically a one generation sport in this city where baseball is passed down from, you know, fathers, grandfathers. Football obviously rules this country. But I think when, you, when you're talking about, and I agree with you, I don't, the research is interesting that you say that, that, that the average age is 29 and, and college educated, that sounds exactly right. Because those are the exact people that I see going to matches, whether it's you know, on TV or you know, going to watch Liverpool here in Charlotte, because you can watch different your, your European teams. There are different bars around town where you can go. And if you see the... the, the the makeup of the groups, very, very multiracial and plenty of black folks. And like you say, a lot of them are under the age of 30. And it's because they've, they've either, they were exposed to the European leagues and which is the top level of soccer in this country, or you know their parents played or they played, whatever it is. 
Well, you're right. It is, it's, it's an opportunity for Charlotte FC to reach out, and they've been doing some great things in the community, reaching out to other neighborhoods besides just Hispanic and, and white. Yeah, they've got the uh, soccer pitch in what? The second one was what? Hidden Hidden Valley? Right, in Hidden Valley. Yeah. At Hunter's Point. Yeah. And so you see them that, like like John was describing, they're, they're reaching out to other areas of the city to introduce kids to the game. And I think which, like, when I went to Atlanta, the thing was Atlanta, it was very diverse, very, you saw many African-Americans there. And, and like, the thing is, when I went, the cost for going to a game is lower than versus NFL. Right. Like, when I go to Atlanta, I usually get lower level in the corners. Now, I pay maybe like $80, $90 for a ticket, which is not too bad for one game. But, you know, if that was a Falcons game, there's no way I'm sitting in that post. And that's the thing is the cost to be, go for a single game or be a season ticket holder is much easier on a you know, pocketbook, especially if you're a young family, got maybe one or two kids. Hey, there's something to do. Hey, and the thing about it too with, with soccer is two hours. Now you might go there early to do the tailgating and this and that, but you know, with soccer is basically a two hour, I guess, time frame. You go down there, go to the game, two hours, okay, thank you, and then that's it. So I think that's that's an appeal to a lot of and especially now kids, a lot of kids play soccer, you know, they you know play in school and organ early organized leagues, and so they've been exposed to it more. They've got their interest in saying, hey, Charles got a team out. Hey, let's go to a game. And I think when that first game is going to click and a lot of people are going to be um, – I think they'll be hooked up after the first game. Yeah. And one of the – I guess one of the uh, supporter groups that have, has gained a lot of notoriety over the years is Atlanta's uh, Hoodie Mob. And it's a, it's a, it's a Black-led, organized uh, – a supporters group and it adds that extra flavor as mostly an african-american group you know they add something that i guess uh as far as soccer goes in america it's a totally different vibe and they are very very popular in terms of you know what what makes uh atlanta united soccer special and so you know i think that this is it's an opportunity to see what everybody has in store so uh what are you guys going to go to Charleston or are you going to save everything until opening day in March? No, I think Charleston is it's going to be the first opportunity for the fans here to be able to see their team. I think you're going to see a lot of people go to Charleston for that opening, even though it is just preseason for that opening game, just because this, this will be the first chance you get to see. We've, we've been talking about these players now. When they signed their first player, Sergio Ruiz, last in 2020, we're talking about almost a year and a half that we've been talking about these players. And, you know, they've slowly been building the roster. Well, now we get to see all the fruits of their work and the work they're going to do here in the preseason on the pitch. Pitch being field, you know, soccer parlance, you know. Here, so, um, yeah, we have, we have all, sure all you Neanderthals who don't know, right? We have to make sure we get the <laughs> correct terminology. So, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of people make. And plus, it's Charleston's three hours. You go down, you you have a, a drink before the game. You go to the game. Some people are coming right back. I'm coming right back. I know Sean's staying down there. I'm yeah. coming right back. <laughs> Because uh, you know, Sean, and looking at your uh, at your Twitter handle, I, I see you know 
you've got Las Vegas in the background. So I, I'm guessing <laughs> you are kind of the traveler there. So do you do a lot of this road trips? I, I go here. I mean, I go here, there, everywhere. Like I said, I'll, I went to um, I went to the Cardinals uh, uh, Panthers game out in the Phoenix. And I like I said, I, to me, that's a, that's a good trip because you go there for, I mean, I got college buddies out there. So we kind of made it, I kind of put it together of, hey, go out there, hang out, hang out with them for a few days and then, you know, go to the game on the side. And, and like I said, I, to me, those, those are great trips. You know, make it, make it like a, like a four day, three night trip, come, just enough time to go to the game, do a couple of those extra things, kind of see the city and so forth. And so like I said, it, it, it's fun because especially, when people coming into Charlotte for the first time, people are asking, what is it to do to Charlotte? Where to go in Charlotte? You know, what's, you know, how, how's the best to get to the stadium? You know, it's, it's like, you know, I, I've been telling people, take the light rail, take the streetcar, don't try to drive downtown on Gate and try to, you know, try yeah. to park, no, take the train. And so it's, it's, that, it's just that excitement. And like I said, it's, I'm, I'm waiting for Vegas to join us 30, number 30. That, that's what I'm waiting for. Well, they're supposed to be the front runner. So, you know, you, I, you'll, I think, you'll have some road trips that you'll have to keep quiet when you go out. There. Right. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. Uh, will, will supporters groups uh, from Charlotte actually travel as well? Or is this absolutely. a whole thing? Okay. No, absolutely. We're organizing right now. This, this is one thing also. This is when I talked about Sean, the CFO, he is um, working with DC United to get us a certain number of tickets because the first match is on the road, December of uh, February 26th up in DC. They did a good job schedule wise of making that game accessible to the people here in Charlotte. It's not like they're going to Vancouver or something across the country. They made it so the first game Charlotte FC plays is accessible to the people who live in Charlotte. So whether you're going to drive, whether you're going to fly, take the train, take the bus, whatever, it's going to be accessible. So we're going to have easily, we're going to have, what, 200, 250 people there. You know, we only get a certain number of seats, um, especially with that being the opening game. And it's going to sell out for that team. And they play in soccer-specific stadiums. Their stadiums are only like 20,000 seats. So it's not like, I think only three or four uh, MLS teams play in football stadiums. Most of them, the, the model for the MLS is to get out of these huge cavernous stadiums and build these beautiful little 20,000 seat stadiums that are the, where the noise just cascades from the from the crowd onto the field. That's the model. But so um, DC plays in a play in a. They used to play at RFK Stadium when they when they when they first came out. Real um, right. Now they play right down the street from the Washington Nationals on Navy Yard. They built a nice little 20,000 seat stadium right in the neighborhood, which is you know something I would love to see them do here. But uh, we're going to have, I would think we're going to have 200 to 300 people easily going. Now, we're not going to caravan as a group. That would be too difficult. You know, everyone's going to get there on their own. We're going to meet in one location at usually a bar or a restaurant before the match. You know, we'll pregame. Most of the people will come in the day before, so we'll do a pregame the day before, and then for the day the day of game, we'll do a uh, a meetup at the local bar, and then do a, what's called a march to the match. That's when all the supporters, whether they're home or away, meet in one place, congregate in one place, and march as a group into the stadium. So, and the schedule is is very. A lot of the teams are close to here. Atlanta is close. Uh, Orlando is close. Miami is close. 
they play in a really bad stadium though. So that's a whole other, yeah. Whole other. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, like, like Sean said, you really, Sean uh, is, is in for the Colorado trip. I don't think I am, but I am in for the LA trip because I know people in LA and because LAFC has a great fan base. I like, I want to be around people who know the game and can teach us a little bit about what we should be doing as a supporter group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like her, yeah. Go online whenever you get a chance. Like, look up uh, LAFC thirty-two fifty-two videos online. You you can tell on game one, which is what the seventeen was their first season, I think. Game one, they were they just they could, because that was to me. If you look at LAFC the thirty-two fifty-two, they're ethnically diverse, culturally diverse. You got fans downtown East LA, the Valley, Orange County, the beach, the beach towns. But the thing is, everybody comes together on game day to get behind the team. And I think that's what's going to happen, especially with Charlotte, because, yes, it's a Charlotte team, but you're going to have supporters in the North Carolina, South Carolina. You're going to have people come in from, you know, Raleigh, Greenville, Columbia, Charleston. They're all going to come here. And it's, you know what? It's no matter where you're at, if you'll be behind, everyone's going to get behind Charlotte FC. Okay. So now, uh, last question. And, you know, this is going to be free flowing. What may I have missed if you were talking to somebody who had just stumbled upon Major League Soccer, Charlotte FC, and the Queens Firm? What would you tell them about all of that? Delphine, go first. Go ahead, John. Oh, it's listen, what for us? Like I said, I'm a soccer novice. I'm still learning about the game. There are people who are, they've got their favorite European team or whatever league team, and if they play that five o'clock in the morning, they're up at four getting ready for the game. We're, we're open to everybody. We, we wouldn't, you know, we're all learning and growing together as a group. Right, right. So it's not like, oh, you don't have a favorite European team? It's like, well, no. It's like, it's, like I said, with me personally, I was Olympics, World Cup, but, you know, I don't have a favorite Europe, uh, England team or German or whatever. You know, like I said, it's, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, I work at night, so I'm used to getting up, like, early, like especially on Saturday when NBC has their uh, English Premier League games. I mean, if I get up soon enough, I'll turn it on right quick and kind of watch the last maybe 15 minutes or so, just kind of see what's going on. And, but like I said, we're, we're all learning and growing together. And like I said, we're we're geographically diverse. You know, we find people from even out of state where, yeah, they're not close enough to Charlotte to really be a stakeholder. But we see our social media, especially on Twitter and, and the Facebook group, they kind of keep talking about, oh, you know, there was something on channel WCNC about training camp starting, or oh, hey, um, WCNC posted something about exciting news player. They're seeing us as an outlet to see. Oh, hey guys, thanks for helping me keep track of what's going on with the team. You know, I live in Kansas City, so I don't can't watch, I can't follow it day to day like you guys can, but I know I can go to your Twitter page, I can go to your Facebook page to see what's going on with the team. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, I think um, like Sean says, we're all growing together. All you, Herb, we're all growing together. We're all learning this in real time. So it, it's a chance for the entire community. And we're going to work on projects as a group, every supporter groups, uh, you know, goes out in the community and tries to have some sort of service project. 
Those are the things that we're working on now as a supporter group, getting the, the, the right amount of people and reaching out to different uh, nonprofits in the, in the community and, and being a presence, not just you know, with, amongst ourselves or with the team, but also out in the community and being able to draw people not only into us, but also into, into the team, but also into us. So we're all growing together. It's gonna to be a fun ride. And it's really fun to be on the bottom level here and kind of see where this goes as a, as a community of soccer in the, like, and, and, and novice soccer people, see where it goes as a group leading into the future. Yeah. Well, so that'll be what's going to happen on the first game. I mean, how, who starts the earliest tailgate? You know, like eight o'clock in the morning? I guarantee you, someone's going to start tailgating. Oh, yeah. At eight or nine o'clock without not even blinking, I would guarantee it sounds like a prop bet worth taking, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, what is the best way for folks to uh, to reach out to you at uh, at the Queen's Firm, whether it's on social media or website? Uh, we're at, you go ahead. Okay, we're the, the, we're on Twitter, which is uh, Queen's Firm, twitter.com slash Queen's Firm. We also have thequeensfirm.com, which is our website. And then we also have a Facebook page and we also have Instagram. Yes, yeah, we just got, we just restarted the Instagram page. So yeah, we're on Instagram now too, so. Okay. Yeah, on, on the website, there is a spot on the, a page on the website to join as a member. So as you're kind of perusing uh, the website, there is a tab to join as a member. And then we'll, you know, we have a, uh, a kind of a, a, a bunch of bylaws and we kind of sort of talk about who we are as a group and what we're looking, not looking for, but what we want as a group. And if, you know, if you want to be the kind of person that wants to just have fun and go to soccer matches and hang out with a bunch of fun people and, and kind of do this organically, come on and join us. All right. Sounds like a real winner there. So Jonathan Lee, Sean Smith, the Queens Firm. Thank you guys so much for uh, joining us uh, here at Sports Charlotte. And uh, for all of you out there, join us via Sports Charlotte on the Queen City Podcast Network, Apple News, as well as our website, thecharlottepost.com. Like us, support us, because you know we're doing this for fans of all ages, types, genders, and whatever else is out there. And I look forward to seeing you guys at some matches. Not going to promise anything about that Charleston business, but opening night in March. Yeah, we'll be there. And thank you all for joining us today on Sports Charlotte. Thanks for having thank us. You. Thanks for having us. Sports Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved.